Hey, what's up? My name's Taylor. I'm the pastor of our Braintree location. I just want to say thank you guys so much for joining us online today. Uh, whether you're watching online live or you're watching later on demand, just want to say thank you so much for joining us. You could have joined any church this weekend, uh, but you decided to be a part of Grace Church, and I'm very thankful uh, that you are. Uh, when I was 16 years old, uh, I was living in Blue Springs, Missouri, which is a little town, little suburb outside of Kansas City. And uh, I, was, I was working a job, and I got a second job because I had a goal to get a new car. Um, so 16-year-old, I just got my license, and I had been given a car. Uh, it was just not the ideal type car. Um, it was actually a 74 Buick Electra. And so if you don't know what that is, it's a giant boat of a car. Uh, it was actually uh, it was pea green uh, with matching pea green floral interior. So if you can imagine that type of car, um, that's what I was driving. I was very thankful that I had a car. Um, but I liked a girl at that time, and she didn't quite like the car. Um, all my boys liked it. We could fit like 10 or 12 of us in there comfortably, um, but for whatever reason, she didn't like the car. Uh, and so I was like, man, I need to get some new wheels. Uh, so I decided to get, get a bunch of jobs over the summer after my sophomore year, uh, and the goal was to get enough money at the end of the summer to, uh, to, get, a, to get a new car. And so one of my jobs was working for the school district. Uh, my neighbor happened to be the, uh, the director of technology, I guess, for, for our school district. And so he gave me and my brother jobs in the summer. So it was actually full-time work, uh, working on computer type stuff. Um, and it was really simple work. Like one, one summer, all we did was clean computers. <laughs> we literally went to every computer in the entire school district uh, and just blew them with those little air cans and just cleaned out the fans, cleaned out the computers. Like that was a whole summer. Um, the next summer, we, we added memory to all the computers, and <laughs> this is gonna blow your mind. So we doubled the memory of the computers from 64 megabytes to 128 megabytes. I, that's right, I, I said megabyte. Not, not gigabyte, not terabyte, I said, I said megabyte. So, so we doubled, we doubled the, the, the memory on all the computers in the, in the school district. So that was, that was one of the jobs, kind of a cool job. Uh, and then my second job, I realized, man, I'm not gonna make enough money by the end of the summer if I'm just doing this one job. So I got a job at Ponderosa Steakhouse. Uh, I'm not sure if you've ever heard of Ponderosa Steakhouse. Uh, it's a mediocre steakhouse uh, chain uh, in the Midwest. And I think they had their heyday in the mid-90s when I was working there. Um, but I, was, uh, I worked in the kitchen. Uh, I wasn't the assistant chef. I was actually the assistant to the chef, uh, which meant that uh, I baked the potatoes. And I put everything on the little hot skillet. Um, I still have burns on my arm from those hot skillets, actually, if you know what I'm talking about, like the chilies, fajita, hot skillet. Anyway, so, I, anyway, so that, was, that was my second job. And I'd, so when I'd leave uh, the school district, I would go work at Ponderosa till like 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock at night. And, and that, was, that was it. I did that for the whole summer. Uh, cool, cool thing is that by the end of the summer, I had saved $3,000. And so minimum wage was like, $5 an hour then, uh, so it took a lot <laughs> to, to make $3,000 uh, by the end of the summer, but I finally got my car. Uh, I bought a 1990 uh, Chevy S10. Uh, it, was, it was awesome, man. It was like cherry red. Loved it. It was, it was, it was an awesome, awesome car, but the whole, the whole summer, uh, my, my goal uh, my, for my work was not to, uh, to make friends. It wasn't to like do the best work I could, could make. It was really, it was just to get a paycheck. Like that's, that's why I was working. Like I had a goal that I needed a new car. Um, 
P.S. The girl broke up with me later, but anyway, that's besides the point. Um, but like, I, I, I was just all about just getting some money. And I think for a lot of us, uh, that's, that's, that's our story. Like we are, we're working our job to get a paycheck, uh, to pay the bills, and, and that's it. Like that's, that's all we see uh, out, of our, out of our jobs. And I, I looked up some statistics this week online, and what I found out is that 54% of Americans are actually unhappy with their jobs. 54% are unhappy with their jobs. Uh, another stat I found this week was, and, and this is actually from New England, the Northeast, that 74%, this is the highest out of anybody, any other part of the country, 74% of people uh, in our country, uh, in the Northeast, are actually uh, unfulfilled, uh, feel like they don't make enough money. Like 74% of people feel like they need a raise at their job, and when asked how much, uh, they, they, they wanted or they needed, they thought $6,000 would do it. So an extra $500 a month uh, would, make, would make them happy at their job if they just made a little bit more money. So if, if that's you, if you're sitting watching right now with someone uh, and you feel like you deserve a raise and that you could use an extra $500 a month, I want you to go ahead and take a minute and nod to the, next, the person next to you. Like, if that's you, go ahead and give, give them a nod. Yep, I, I deserve a raise, right? Um, that's, that, that's, that's most of us, apparently, 74% of us. Uh, but here's the deal. I think, I think God wants more out of your job than a paycheck. I think God wants more out of your job than awards, than accolades, and promotions. Um, he, he really does. We want more out of your job. When I, when I first moved out to, uh, to New England, um, so I was 19 years old. This is in the early 2000s. And I, I got my first job out here in New England, and I was working at Uno's Pizzeria in Braintree. I don't know if you've ever been to Uno's. Um, it's actually still open. Not exactly sure how, um, but it is still open uh, at the mall uh, in Braintree. And, and that, was my, that was my first job when I moved out here from the Midwest. And for the first time, uh, I actually started looking at my job a little bit different. Uh, I started looking at my job more than just a paycheck. Uh, I started looking at that job at Uno's, even though I was just a host with the most, uh, like giving people, seating people to their tables, like that's all I was doing. I was just supposed to smile and welcome them to Uno's. Uh, like that was, that was my job. But I, I actually started, for the very first time, I started looking at that job as, man, like how am I, how am I working? How am I treating other people? Um, am I actually caring about the people that I work with? And I think because most of the time we're focused on, in our jobs, we're focused on the next task. We're focused on the next deadline. We're focused on the next paycheck. Uh, we're focused on the next big opportunity. We're, miss we're missing out on the greatest opportunity that God might have for us, and that's to, to serve and worship God through our jobs. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and open up to Acts chapter 18. We're in this series called On Demand. And what we're doing through this series is that we're looking at areas of our life that when, when things around us feel like they're out of control, there are areas of our life that we can actually make the right choice and make the choice that God wants us to make in that area of our life, regardless of, of what's going on around us. Um, so if you have your Bible or your Bible app, if you want to open up to Acts 18, I'm going to start reading in verse 1. It says, uh, Then Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. Uh, then he became acquainted with a Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, who had recently arrived from Italy with his wife Priscilla. They had left Italy when Claudius Caesar deported all Jews from Rome. Paul lived and worked with them, for they were tent makers just as he was. Each Sabbath, 
found Paul at the synagogue trying to convince the Jews and Greeks alike. And after Silas and Timothy came down from Macedonia, Paul spent all of his time preaching the word. He testified to the Jews that Jesus was the Messiah. But when they opposed and insulted him, Paul shook the dust from his clothes and said, your blood is upon your own hands. Uh, I am innocent. From now on, I will go preach to the Gentiles. Then he left and went to the home of Titus Gustus, a Gentile who worshiped God and lived next door to the synagogue. Crispus, the leader of the synagogue, and everyone in his household believed in the Lord. Many others in Corinth also heard Paul, became believers, and were baptized. I love, I love, I love this passage uh, and this, this glimpse we get of, of who Paul was. Um, like we know, we know Paul as, as this, this preacher, right? He, he wrote most of the New Testament, um, like all these amazing stories about Paul. But I love, I love this passage that, that shows us uh, Paul the tent maker. Uh, and so what I want to do is I want to point out a few things from this passage that hopefully uh, will, will make a difference in your life. And the first one is this, is that Paul was a follower of Jesus that happened to be a tent maker. He was a follower of Jesus that happened to be a tent maker. Uh, he, he had a trade, right? He, as a young boy in Jewish culture, right, when they were about five to seven years old, they would start hanging out with their dad, their father, to start learning the family business. And, and, and so Paul had this skill to make tents, right? Um, but he didn't see his occupation just as a tent maker um, to make money. He, he saw it as an opportunity uh, to worship God and to serve others. Like that's, that's what he did. Like he worshiped God through his tent making, uh, which, is, which is awesome. So if you think about it, like Paul, man, he was, he was, he was working hard. He, would, he, would, he took quality, like he, he took skills uh, that he had to make these good tents. Like he, he put quality into his work, right? Otherwise, he wouldn't have been making tents for very long. And so you can't tell me that like Paul just went and worked making these tents, sewing these tents, then selling them in the marketplace and not being an example of Jesus wherever he went, right? He would have been sharing the story of how he met Jesus, how, how he found Jesus, where, wherever he was, uh, when he was in the marketplace, when he was selling those tents, when he was, uh, you know, when he was sewing those tents with other people, like he had to have been, been an example of Jesus wherever he went. Uh, we, we learn in, in Acts 22, so just a couple chapters later, that not only was he a hard worker in his trade, but he worked harder than he even had to. And, the re and, the, and we get the reason in ch chapter 22 that he worked harder than he had to at tent making, and not because he was just an overachiever, because he was looking out for the needs of the people in his community. Like he made more tents, he worked harder selling those tents and made more than he actually had to to provide for his own needs because he was willing to make, um, he was willing to help the people around him in his community. I think that's awesome. Um, he worked hard, he worshiped through his service, through the trade that he needed. He, he used the skills that he had um, and he used those to be a blessing to other people. Uh, verse, verse four and six, another thing that stood out to me in, the, in these verses is that he didn't care what people thought of him. Like he didn't care what people thought. He wasn't looking to be the most popular uh, guy in town. He wasn't looking to, to get an award as the most beloved teacher uh, in the synagogues. Uh, he, he really did. He was, he was willing to cross lines, right? Racial lines, religious lines, economic lines. Like he didn't care. Like there, there was no, there was going to be no barriers to him sharing, sharing what Jesus had done in his life and that, that Jesus was the Messiah. Like he, he wasn't going to let any of those things 
uh, keep him down. He didn't care what people thought of him. Uh, nothing could have kept him from living out his faith, uh, not only in the synagogue, but, but in the marketplace and, and as he was making tents. And, and honestly, how many of us could say the same? Right? How many of us could say that, that we're willing to do whatever it takes, uh, no matter what other people think of us, to live out our faith, whether it's at home, whether it's in our neighborhoods, whether it's our workplace. Um, and and, and that's, that's that lesson that we got from Paul, man. He didn't, he didn't care. Like, the mission was more important than what people thought of him. And then the last thing from this, from this passage is that uh, when we live a life of worship and service to God, people start following Jesus. If you look at the end of that passage, right, he, he, he was making friends with Jews and Gentiles, and people were, were getting saved. They were putting their faith and their hope and their trust in Jesus. Why? Because people were watching Paul. They were watching the way he was living his life. Like he was the same, he was the same on Saturday in temple that he was Monday through Friday in the marketplace and, and making those tents. And man, when, when, when people start doing that, when people start living their lives 24-7 to follow Jesus, man, things start happening. God starts working, and people's lives start getting changed. Uh, the result of living a life that isn't compartmentalized is a seamless life of worship to God and service to others. Like when we don't compartmentalize our lives, like our jobs, our social circles, our religion, our, our faith in Jesus, when we stop compartmentalizing those, man, we get, we get a life that is seamless. Like it's, it's no, like I'm not, I'm, not, that's, I'm not my occupation, I'm a follower of Jesus, and that should bleed into every area of our life. Um, my, when, I started working, when I started working at Uno's, um, that, the, the job when, once I moved out to, to the New England area, to the Boston area, um, I mentioned that it was the first job where I actually started caring about the people around me. Uh, I, I honestly tried to start becoming more intentional. Um, I started caring about the quality of what I was doing, uh, the quality of my work. Um, I, wasn't, I wasn't Pastor Taylor, I was just Taylor the host. Like that was me, that was my job. And I realized that, man, I, everywhere I go, I'm a reflection of, of Christ, no matter what I'm doing. So the conversations that I engage in at, at Uno's matter. Whether I show up on time to Uno's matters. Uh, whether I actually engage and care about the people that I'm working with because they're, they're people created in the image of God matters. And, and over a year period of time of working at Uno's, um, I got to know a girl named Tracy. And Tracy, <laughs> I'm actually still friends with Tracy now, but um, as, as we started to get to know each other, um, when I, when I first told her what college I went to um, and that I wasn't Catholic, she thought I was a cult. Um, she's like, oh, you must be part of a cult. Like, she's like, you're not Catholic and you're not a priest? These are her words, not mine. <laughs> um, she, she was like, uh, okay. Uh, but she said after she got to know me, she realized, like, dude, you're just, he's just a normal guy. And, and so we started to become friends, and she started to ask questions. And I actually cared enough to answer those questions. I didn't claim to have all the answers, um, but I, I gave her the answers that I had, and I, I shared what God had done in her life, in my life. And, and, and over a period of time, those questions continued to come, and, they, and she continued to ask more questions. And over a period of time, man, instead of, instead of going out after work, partying, or drinking like most of the people, if you ever worked in a restaurant, that happens a lot. Um, instead, of, instead of that, 
I took some time after work to actually just share my story. And it was after work, one shift, it was like 10 or 11 o'clock at night when we were done hosting at Uno's, I shared my story. And it was right there after work that she finally realized that she needed Jesus in her life. She finally realized that she needed to be forgiven. And right there, she actually put her faith and her trust in Jesus. And she's still following Jesus to this day. And I'm not telling you that story because because of what I did. I'm telling you that story because you have no idea the impact that you can have at your workplace by just being intentional, like by just being a caring follower of Jesus, not my occupation, but man, just being a follower of Jesus wherever you are. Like that's, that's what God wants from us. So listen here, if there's, if there's one thing I want you to walk away from today, is this, is start looking at your job, start looking at your job as your greatest opportunity for ministry outside of your family, right? Your family is your number one priority. Your family is your number one ministry opportunity. But I want you to start looking at your job, your career as one of your greatest ministry opportunities, because I think a lot of times we don't look at it like that at all. Like we look at our ministry to God as our, and our worship to God for that hour on Sunday morning, maybe a couple out, maybe an extra hour a week in your life group. Like that's, that's my worship to God. That's my service to God. But then like you are missing out on so much more that God has for you if you're not looking at your job. And I don't care if you love your job or you're not, like you're, you're right where you need to be right now, right? The job you have is the, is the job is the job you have right now. So make, make the most of it. Like that's, that's, what I, that's what I want you to do. So I want you to, I want to just pick out three things um, that, that hopefully you can start doing this week. All right, three things that you can start doing this week as a result of that. Three ways that you can start looking at your job as your greatest ministry opportunity. And the first one is this, is commit to giving 100% at your job this week. Commit to giving 100% at your job this week. And, and what I mean by this, how, how many hours a week do you spend on social media when you're clocked in? How many, how many hours a week are you checking Facebook, Instagram, whatever social media you use, um, instead of doing the job that you're being paid to do? Like what kind of example is that um, as, as a follower of Jesus uh, when we're spending hours each day scrolling through Facebook? Um, how, many, how many of us are, are logging in? So here, a lot, a lot of people are, are working remotely right now, right? How many of you are logging in in the morning, moving the mouse a little bit, right? So that your boss thinks you're working, um, but really you're binge watching Netflix, <laughs> right? I mean, th- think about this. Like, what, are, are you really giving 100% of your time? From the time you're supposed to start working, even if you're working from home, to the time you clock out. Like, are, are you giving God 100% of your time? Okay, so that's, that's the first thing. Commit to giving 100% of your job to your job this week. Second thing you can do this week is, is this. Make a commitment to live the same way Monday through Friday that you would at church on Sunday. Okay, commit to living the same way Monday through Friday than you would at church on Sunday. Because I think a lot of us, man, we're, dude, we're so worried about what other people think of us. 
All right? We're like, what are they going to think of us if, if, if they know that we're, we're followers of Jesus? Like, what, like, what are they going to think if I actually bring up church? You know, and, and we're scared. We're, we're worried about what other people think so often. Uh, may, maybe you're struggling to say no to invitations that you get on Friday and Saturday night that you know for a fact you're, you're going to get tempted. You're going to get tempted to do something you know you probably shouldn't be doing on Friday and Saturday night, and, but, 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 but you're too worried about what other people are going to think. Maybe, you're, maybe you just get caught up in gossip at work. Man, that's, that's a real thing. Like the gossip around the water cooler, that, that is legit. That actually happens a lot if you've ever worked in an office before. Like gossip just, just is just everywhere uh, in the workplace. And, and how you respond during that gossip, what you say and what you don't say, can actually make a huge, huge difference. So I want you to think about that. Make a commitment. Am I going to commit to live the same way Monday through Friday than I do on Sunday morning? Um, and here's the deal. Are you, are you more concerned about your next promotion are you more concerned about your next promotion or actually helping the person you're working with? And then the last thing is this. Start looking for opportunities for you to be a blessing to someone else at work. Start looking for opportunities to be a blessing to someone else at work. Have you ever finished the job that you were supposed to do and then started helping a coworker accomplish their work? I don't think that happens a lot, right? Like, have you, have you ever thought about that? Um, have, you, have you actually taken a chance and taken the opportunity to get to know your coworkers? Are you going out of your way at your workplace to actually get to know people and what's going on in their life? Like, do you know that your coworker is in the middle of, of going through a divorce? Or that another coworker is struggling with depression? Like, do you, do you even know the people that you're working with? Like, are you actually putting in the time or are you just clocking in and clocking out? Um, are you just collecting a paycheck? Are you just looking at your job as a way to pay the bills? Or are you looking at your job as one of the greatest opportunities you have for ministry outside of your family? That's what I want you to leave with today. Let's pray. So what I want you to do is I want you to think about, I want you to think about one of those three things. Like what are one of those three things that you can start doing this week? Number one, can you commit to giving 100% at your job this week? Maybe that's where you're at. Like maybe that's, you really do struggle with getting distracted, with, with surfing online, with whatever. Like you, that's, that's where you're at. You haven't been giving 100% at your job, at least the last couple months. And, and maybe that's, that's your next step. Or maybe you really do care too much about what other people think and you don't really, you couldn't really say that you're living the same life Monday through Friday than you are on Sunday mornings when you're around your, your Christian friends. And maybe that is your next step, or maybe you really do need to start looking for opportunities to be a blessing. Maybe you've just been so focused with your job and your task and your responsibilities that, that you haven't even looked next to you, um, to the people around you to actually start caring about them. So what is it for you? Like, what is your next step? God, I'm thankful for the example that we see in the life of Paul. God, that he is, he lived the same way making tents in the marketplace than, than at church on Saturday. Like he was, he was the same guy. He just happened to make tents. But number one, he was a follower of Jesus. And the example that we get from Paul's life is, is what we should be looking for. 
God, a seamless, a seamless life. God, that's not compartmentalized between social groups and, and jobs and church and neighbors. Like, there should be no distinction between those, God. You want us to live a life, Lord, that is, that is fully committed to worshiping you with every area of our life. God, our, our skills, our jobs, when we're mowing the lawn, when we're talking to our neighbors, God, all areas of our life should be glorifying and honoring to you, Lord. And so, God, I ask that you would help us this week to see our jobs, whether we like them or not, to see them as one of our greatest ministry opportunities to worship you and to serve other people. God, we love you, and we pray these things in your name. Amen.